Blog Talk Radio. And that was Country Music Made Me Kill My Wife by my good friend Nasser Kadri out of Edmonton, Canada. I want to thank you for allowing me to use your song each and every week to uh, open up the show with. We've got a great show scheduled tonight. We've got Mr. Dale Brad out of Nashville, Tennessee, who is the owner of Melchaz Records, Melchaz Publishing, Scene Bear Music, and his own guitar are also down in Nashville. He also played for Fabians Jr., and uh, so we're going to have a good time with him tonight as well. But before we get started, this is the Michael Knight Show, and I am your host, Michael Knight, and I'm happy to have you, everyone of you here with me tonight. Uh, we've got a few announcements to make ahead of time. We remind everybody that this Friday at 7 p.m. Pacific time is prime time and more time than Frank Nicotero gives you, where we discuss all the shows that are going on on TV as well as on the Internet, because there's a few Internet shows that 
They're out there as well. They're fun to watch. And, and uh, so we'll be talking about those. This on Saturday, and we have the Titans. Saturday, it will be off air as I am going to be on the road to California. And uh, so we won't have a show coming next Monday. We'll do the second episode of WTF. We had a great time last night with the show. Had some fun fun things going on between uh, uh, the guests that we had on as well as uh, uh, news stories. And uh, it was a really fun show. And I hope you guys tune in and, uh, and listen to us. It's a good, a good laugh show, a good show where you can laugh at. And then, of course, next Tuesday, at the same time as tonight, the Michael Knight Show will be having the band Padunda on, and they're based out of the Los Angeles area of California. So we're looking forward to all that. Right now, I'm still waiting for Dino to show up. Uh, uh, it's quite unusual. Usually my guests are here before the show starts, but he hasn't, he hasn't made it yet. And so, so we're just going to make sure visit a little talk and uh, him. And uh, if we can't, you know, don't seem to bring him in or bring him in here shortly, I'll just give him a call and see if we can get him over here and end the show so we can get a little bit more about the And thanks for the show. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play another song. It's a comedy song from some friends of mine. And, and uh, kind of a fun song also. And it's Angie and the Car Wrecks. Uh, they were actually the top guest of the Michael Knight Show last year with just the 3,000 listeners that listened in on their show. And uh, we're going to go ahead and play that song while I try to see if I can get a hold of Mr. D. Bradley and him on the air. So we'll be right back met a guy cute as can be our first date was in a cemetery he's got worms in his torso and head did I mention my guy was
Hello. And I want to apologize that, that, that Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Radio. I have this day. I have a up some veterans, and we just lost. We just lost. I'm sorry, I'm not hearing you. It's just Skippy. Hello. Hello. All right, hopefully we're back. And now I've lost Dino, so we're going to try to get him back in there, too. I'll tell you, uh, we have been having problems with blog talk radio for quite some time uh, with the Skype connection, and so I've called in on my cell phone. Hopefully that will work out. We'll try to get him in here as soon as possible. Try one more time here. And... Uh, so All right, let's see if we can get Dino in here. want to apologize to the listeners that we're having all these technical difficulties once again. We at least had a technical difficulty free night last night. Thank you for calling. You've reached Dino Bradley. Please leave a message with the number so I can call you. <laughs> okay, it looks like... Oh, Okay, now I've lost my switchboard again. And let's see if we can get this thing together here. I've got him in here twice now. And I've lost all control of the switchboard again. I want to apologize once again to the listeners. Seems like we've been having a lot of issues with Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, okay, let's see. Hello, Dino. Do I have you on? Right there, so let's get rid of that one. All right, let's see if I... Hello, Dino, are you there? I can barely hear you. You're getting garbled, too. I think we're having a lot of issues with blog talk tonight. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm unable to uh, to understand you at all, Dino. Okay, yeah, there's there seems to be some sort of issue on Blog Talk through the switchboard. Uh, okay. Let's 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 go ahead. Let's see. Are, are you able to hear me now? I can hear you perfectly. Okay, uh, you're the you're the one now that that I'm not able to hear well, but I. I don't know if it's through through the switchboard or what's happening here. Um, yeah, not real sure, buddy. I hear you very well. Yeah, no, you're you're coming in and out a little bit better now. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny because it, it it seems like there's a conspiracy on my show, man. Because every time 
Every time I do the Michael Knight show, I have problems. All the other shows come out clear, but this one always has a problem. <laughs> well, you know, when you're good, they try to bump you off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's go ahead and, and see if we can get through uh, through this interview. I, I, I'm, I'm not hearing you real well, but I, I'm believing that everything is going through as far as the broadcast just fine. Uh, I think it's That's just true. through my switchboard here that that I'm having a problem with. So uh, first off, I'd like to find out, and I know that, that uh, the listening audience is definitely interested. Yeah, how did you start getting involved with the music business from, uh, at all? Well, I was, you know, as they say in the, uh, as they say in the business, I was kind of born in a truck. I don't know if it was a choice or not. Uh, uh, my, uh, it, it's a family thing. Uh, my dad, um, is a musician and uh, was a musician and and so he had a band and then my older brothers played and all my uncles played so it was uh, uh, you know I don't remember it not being part of my environment so it started a little earlier than it maybe does with some people now you're you're a guitarist. Uh, is, is that the uh, the main instrument that you've always played? Do you play any other instruments well, as well? Yeah, you know it is it it is odd. It's a guitar town. So when I came to Nashville, it was uh, you know everything was kind of guitar oriented, and uh, and I loved guitar and I played guitar, and so my opportunities came on guitar. But uh, I actually played all the other instruments, and so I mean I. I played drums and played bass and little keyboards and all that, but when you came to Nashville, it was pretty guitar oriented. So, um, right, I was pretty, I was pretty thrilled that that it came in that way. But I, I like playing the other instruments. I do try to record other instruments. I know you you've been very fortunate and uh, to go get to play with some greats like Hank Williams Jr. and so forth. How, how did you and Hank Williams Jr. ever meet? Well, it, it was very, it, it was an interesting encounter. It was, it was a, you know, a little by chance. I came to Nashville, um, and I came with a uh, manager, and we were trying to find placement. You know, we trying looking for a record deal or looking for a writer's deal with a publisher, and we were just uh, beating the pavement pretty heavy, and uh, so. There were some differences with me and the management, and uh, so I was trying to decide, well, what am I going to do? You know, the management thing isn't working out. I moved to town, and uh, and uh, tried to figure out what to do. And I actually went to the plan, and I said, well, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out in Nashville, and I was in Georgia. There was a guy named George Gruen who owned a guitar store, which was a famous guitar store down on Broadway here in Nashville. And for years, he and I bought guitars and bought and sold guitars together. And I'm Ohio, you know, and I was like, I like everybody else, so I'm going to come I'm going to. Right. So George, back home, why don't you? I 
we were all, you know, the fact that this was basically, I was actually a guitarist, and I was
back in Ohio. I had a little production company that I was happy with. I had written theme songs for TV shows and stuff back home, and that was right. great. Uh, but we had a little project. We had a, you know, basically did projects there, and this was sort of a extension of that. When I came to Nashville, I, I again realized that it was best to try and get a place to work out of. And so that's basically what happened. So it's an extension of what I had started uh, in Ohio, and it was for the last, you know, I mean, basically it was sort of a boutique label uh, slash production company. And uh, it was a pretty envious situation to have is to be in-house and be able to hook up with friends and fellow writers and do their projects. So that's that's really what that grew out of. And uh, over the years, it's really been a, a good venture. Um, just like anything else in the entertainment business, it's real busy sometimes. And, and you know, I mean, it's just, it, it goes the way of the industry. We're uh, basically just a small label and just get our own stuff. Right, right. Now, is that is that Melkaz or is is that a different uh, label that you're talking about? Yeah, it's Melkaz. It's it's Melkaz Records here in Nashville, and we we really lucked out. We've had a nice presence. If you if you go online, you know you can see some of the projects that we've done. Historically, we're the little guys. Hopefully, with the good product and. We've had some great people come through here, and I've, you know, I've tried to, uh, you know, this whole business, uh, you know, you just have to be blunt and honest and say uh, this business is about making little people big people, you know. And uh, so, you know, the people who show promise and have a great attitude and, you know, can kind of put it all in place, those are the people that good, smart organization for them to work with and they work their way up. Right. So, like, let's say, because a lot of my listeners are are people who belong to bands, and some are songwriters, and and some are just people who love to listen to indie music itself. You know. Uh, what what steps should they take before, like, they would approach someone like you at Melkes Records and want to get some sort of involvement with your uh, with your company? Well, I think I think good smaller organizations here in town, and uh, um, they have a tendency. You know, I think we all have stuff that come across our desk a lot. I mean, and I think that what happens is is that the folks. In towns like Nashville or L.A. or or New York or London or places that are more what you'd say entertainment industry areas, what they have a tendency to look for is is for people that are pretty well focused and organized and and uh, all that. I mean, um, there there's no doubt, but what there's incredible talent out there, but to find talent right. that. Uh, to find talent that is that is very smart about their careers and stuff. I mean, over the years, I think, in being able to sit in on what um, 
how do these guys do? I, I got very, really involved in in Hank's career while we were tracking uh, that stuff. And Hank was nice enough, and his organization uh, gave me some responsibilities. And so, I mean, I had some of his music endorsement things, and so. I was privy to a lot of the things that went on, uh, sort of what you'd say at the higher levels. But, um, right. Even <laughs> really expect you to be a pro, expect you to, uh, you know, to have all the, to have everything that it takes to do well. And uh, there are a lot of people that are very, very good local acts, but they may lack an element. They might sound incredible, but their showmanship is very lacking. And, and right. you know, I mean, and, and the thing is, I think every, everybody is looking for that act that uh, has everything ready to go. And <clears throat> whenever I see somebody, I think, that has that together. I'm anxious to work with them, and I think you'll see that a lot. Uh, I think right. there's still room. There's still room for that. My suggestion uh, to those folks are, and there's for all those people out there that think they have the answers. There's really no specific answer for everybody that's gotten a record deal. Uh, you could speak to 50 people, and there'd be 50 different ways they got the record deal. There's, there's, there's no magic thing, you know. There's nothing to replace really hard work and the tap. You know, you've got to be very tenacious. You've got to have your act together, and you've got to keep it together. And uh, so, right. uh, the the industry, I think, uh, right now is looking for great people, and I think, and, I'm, and I would like to encourage local and regional artists because uh, I think that the model of what the industry does has been amazingly revolutionary in the last few years. I mean, I think for years and years we knew that it was coming, that eventually, uh, you know, by the time somebody has got a hundred or a thousand tunes, and a little white box around their neck, the world is a different place. And so right. we've got to be we've got to be we've got to look at that as an advantage to the people that are starting out, you know. But um the advice right. would be, you know, if you're in a local market, um if you can capture that market and expand it, it's kinda of like owning a McDonalds. Once you got something good, keep it moving, you know, and and uh, you might be the biggest act in one town or one metropolitan area, but um, I think for all of you people out there that are listening, you know that if you've got an incredible act and you play in the same club for six months, you almost have to go home. You know, you've got to take the act out and expand it. And uh, I think it's a lot of that's that is that is a big key to it. You know. Getting, That's very true. Now, yeah, you, I, I know. I'm sorry. I, I know that, like, like, with the internet, especially now that the internet's kind of gotten out there and, and involved, and so many people are putting music out over the internet, you know, and so forth. That's changed the music business a lot as well, you know. 
And the thing that, that some of these bands, I think, don't realize in the changes of, of the uh, music business is, is back, back in the day, you know, they, they, you know, some some guy would find this band in a club or whatever, and you know, oh, they love their music, and and the, and the uh, record companies would take and, and the record labels would take and and mold these people into a sellable item. Where now, the the record labels are wanting the items already molded. They they don't want to spend that money that they used to spend on on trying to make acts famous. Uh, and uh, do you think that's a lot of that is due to because of the internet and 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 the people being able to have access to a lot more music? I think I think that all of these things are are pertinent facts. I think these are all important things that he has has evolved and has become almost revolutionary in recent years. But the let, you know, and if you don't mind, Michael, we've got a few minutes here. Probably it would be good good information for your listeners to understand some of the less attractive facts about the industry and the history thereof and how it works. And the fact of the matter is you hit on a big, big, big thing. The industry as it's been the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years of has uh, that model is basically a little bit dead and gone. I mean, there's uh, uh, the mu- the music industry as uh, you know at the tender age of 59. You know, whenever I was a kid and started figuring out, well, here this is how Chess Records and King Records and all these different labels were working. Uh, the fact of the matter was, we found out that the conglomerate record labels the big-name people, uh, they were not music companies at all. I mean, the fact of the matter was that these companies were, for the lack of a more gingerly term, they were actually money companies. They provided the money and hired music people to make music. And basically all they were doing was funding you the money. And... uh, you were getting the record deal and then they would hire a producer and the producer would hire the musicians but you know um, the the blatant facts were is that they were you know they were putting money out there at a percentage and I can remember when I once I had started getting involved in the in the business side of it I, I it was amazing to me how it worked and I just wanted to be a little hippie guitar slinger and go out and do the stuff that I did. And when I found out the hard facts about the music business, it was very eye-opening. And the uh, the companies that want to invest in you, um, there is, you know, they, they say, well, here's the standard of the industry. I can remember, oh, I'm saying 10, 15, 20 years ago. You go into a record label, and they'd say, "Well, you've got it all together. We love what you do. You've got a great local audience. You're starting to grow into a regional thing. We're willing to put money into you, and so we're going to offer you a record deal. And then they hand you a 19-page contract, and you read it all, not understanding a word of it. And <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And somewhere in there, it says that you're going to make between nine and fourteen uh, percent uh, of 
of uh, of of the dough, you know, and uh, and uh, and and uh, you don't, you know, basically, um, it's 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 not very attractive to the artist, you know, it's not very attractive at all because that other ninety one percent is going to go somewhere else. That's and, right. Uh, so the industry uh, people felt as though uh, that was sort of how things were going to work, and uh, it, it, it basically rode on and on and on for years like that, and uh, it also got into details like publishing, if you wrote the songs, did they want the publishing, which comes out to half the income, and all that sort of thing, so it was very, very detailed, and uh, I am glad to say that uh, a lot of the deals have have had to end up becoming more and more um, equitable towards the artist these days after a long, long time of there being an industry standard. Um, now the kind of rules are there's no rules and there's, there's every deal is a little bit of a custom deal. Um, and uh, I advise people, you know, that a bad record deal is worse than than no deal at all, and I I do run across a lot of paperwork and a lot of things that are being offered, and I do know that it's a very small world uh, when it comes to computers and the availability of music and all that, and it is very possible for you to get a good start locally by marketing yourself and empowering yourself a little bit. Right. Well, you know, another thing, and this I don't know if it's a, is a fact, but but I I have heard that, like, especially in the past, especially when you look back at the groups from the 60s and 70s, you know, that are that are still out there performing now at casinos because they're broke, and and a lot of that was due to to like if their if their record deal fell through, if their contract fell through with the companies, uh, they they actually owed the companies whatever whatever monies and profits the companies didn't make back off of them. Is that was that a true fact or is that a myth? No, that's absolutely true. And the thing is, I mean, there's there's um, I, I have been privy to to those contracts, and and that's a fact. That that really is a fact, and and that goes back to that goes back to our. Um, that's why I wanted to mention that that record companies are loaning institutions, and when they say we're going to loan you, in the old days, um, now now, and I call everybody a kid because I'm an old guy, but but I see <laughs> people make I see people making incredible records. Um, it's 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 studios are not ten million dollar uh, facilities necessarily these days. And the budgets are not 150 grand to make a, re- a record these days, and so um, the, the, the playing field has been leveled a bit. But there was a point in time where we're getting just so ridiculous that I would sit in on meetings some years ago, and they would be talking about uh, the budget that was going to be spent, and. The truth, you know, they with all the chargebacks and all that stuff, you were spending uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, and uh, you know, uh, it finally got to the point of where the larger companies were saying, "Well, if we 
to ship out uh, 500,000 copies, uh, right. we're not going to break even. You know, you could get a gold album and not break even and, and not be considered a success. And I wow. think those, <laughs> days, those, those days had to go by the wayside a little bit. You know, I mean, but the truth of the matter is, yes, I, I think that is factual. I think it's fair enough to say um, that a lot of those people were kept in pretty pretty difficult situations, uh, whereas they'd signed a contract and they got charged 100 grand or 150 grand to do this album. The album flopped. Well, they still owed the money. Now, it's true um, that sometimes... Um, and, and this didn't happen enough that, that there would, would be clauses to say that, you know, that you you had an out, but a lot of those guys didn't have an out. Uh, and I get right. calls I get calls regularly from people saying uh, somebody sent me a contract, and, and I try to give them what I consider to be uh, the best advice that I know, and that is, you know, don't walk, run to a decent attorney and figure out what this thing actually says in legal terms. Know what you do owe and what your responsibilities are in the contract. There, There's certainly, I think, the potential for good contracts out there, but unfortunately um, there are some bad ones, so you've got to be careful. I think statistically the facts are is that once you sell between 16 and 18,000 units in a local or regional area, that's when the majors stand up and take notice and start knocking on your door. And uh, don't right. sign a bad deal. Do not sign a bad deal. And and a good thing is is that you're if you're from a an area, every large metropolitan area anywhere across the country. If they don't have a good entertainment attorney, they probably know uh, where to direct you um, to 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 get a legitimate look. I mean, it's for a couple of two or three hundred bucks an hour, you could get a very serious attorney to look at your contract to know if it's a good deal or if it isn't. And in the industry, it's always been a common thing to have a decent attorney and to do what they call redlining a contract. And that is, well, the red line literally being, well, let's scratch this out. You know, we're not going to sign for 10 years. We're going to sign for, you know, three years or five years and kind of make that contract a little more balanced, to, you know, right. towards the artist. Yeah. But there's a lot of bad deals out there. I, I'm, I'm not trying – I can't – I can't uh, – I can't make a good deal, you know. I can't make a bad deal look good. So, um, right. if you get a bad, if you get a bad deal, don't you know? Don't sign it. Uh, it's it's easy to be excited, especially if you've been out there living in a van for a couple of years and you got a good you got a good group. But signing a bad deal would not be, you know, in your interest at all. Right. Yeah, because, you know, I think, I think, and I think this is where they kind of take advantage of it, you know, the, the larger labels too, is, is they know that, you know, if that's the dream of, of, of every really serious artist that's very passionate, is to be signed by a big label. And, and just for to have that big label just to make contact with you, a lot of them, you know, that's when they lose their mind because all they see is, you know, wow, big label, 
big money, and that's all they think, and they and they don't really dig deep into the business side of it. it it's true, and, and I tell you what, I I I have a I I have a tendency to understand that you know a little more vividly than other people because. Uh, I started out strictly on the musician side of it, you know. I mean, it was uh, the, the, you know, in, in my, if, if I junk it around here for 20, 30, 40 years, um, you know, the last half of that has been more involved in understanding and all that. But I will say, I mean, the first part of my career, was all about, you know, getting on the bus and finding decent work. And, you know, I'd find myself in, in L.A. or London or, you know, where, wherever you really thought you had a shot. Uh, so, um, you know, I would say um, trying to discipline yourself, you know, to trying to discipline yourself to really, really look at the deal um and and I gotta say it's a little sad because um I am not uh, you know, I'm not saying anything negative against the label people at all. They're they're they're, they're all real good people. But the right. the uh, there's there's there is a lot going on. I mean I do hear about labels that are recognizable, name people that will sign people and they'll put them out in some real obvious market to see if somebody's interested. I mean, whether it's, you know, how it is. I mean, there's places available, MySpace, Facebook, all this. You can, you can get, you can get people out there, and you'll sign them on a. Let's say you sign a five-year deal, which a lot of times that has been the standard. Well, the artist doesn't realize that a five-year deal usually is five one-year deals at the label's discretion. And so, in other words, they could tie you up for five years, and if you read the fine print, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And uh, so that that being said, you know, if you sign a five-year deal and you get shelved, it's it's pretty difficult. That's not a good position to be put in. So um, right. you want to... You want to avoid a lot of things that used to be industry standards, and uh, that was that was one of those things. But it's it's, and I'll just tell you, I've seen uh, I've seen people come in and have meeting with labels, and they walk in the door, and all these gold and platinum records are on the wall, and they get starstruck, and they've been contacted, right. and they're being offered a deal, and they're just about ready to jump out of their shoes to take this deal, and it may not be a good deal. Now, that's the last thing you want to hear or think, you know, but it's not right. a good deal. But that's well, where it's, it's you a have business. to it, You know, it's a, it's a business, and, and, and it, it, these companies are in it to make money. They're not, they're not in it to do you any favors. It's a business, and, and, and you know, and, and it's nothing personal. It's you know they're in it to make money and 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 that's that's what it drops down to the bottom line is it's all about money. It absolutely is, and that's completely understandable. And I think um, it's just it's just Owen Bradley used to tell me that uh, uh, Dino, look at this, and there was there was a little sign that says uh, 
music business. And and he says, which word is bigger here, you know? And I'm like, oh, man, I guess you're right, you know? But the truth is, it's, abs- it's absolutely a business, and it's no different than any other business. You wouldn't expect a person to come in and invest, you know. Um, right. And, and I think, and I and and, and uh, I think all this being said, it doesn't. I don't really look at it as a horrible, terrible thing. I just think that you know, a little education can go a long way, um, especially if you're talking about how you're spending your day-to-day life. Um, it's it's worth doing the research and getting a decent attorney to look at it and find decent management. And I've I've always through my little uh, outfit here, we've we've always uh, felt like it was really important to to come up with a good game plan and follow up on that. And I, I mean, my goal in working with the people that I've worked with over the years was be to to do well with them and maybe, you know, just uh, get them to where they needed to be. Uh, and I think for all of the people that were smart and and were willing to work hard and follow the game plan, um, that it really worked out extremely well. And uh, that's, that's, that to me is, is, is the key to it. But a lot of times people go into it not being realistic. I mean, not everybody is in the top 1% of the industry. Um, some people are... Yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot to be said for being realistic about any business, even the entertainment business. Right. You know, I get a lot of bands through, through, through the show that I talk to, you know, on air and off air, you know, and and I I was involved in, in in a band for several years did the Reno Vegas thing and and such you know and and the one thing that I try to always instill in them is remember that it's a business if you're really serious about pursuing a career and making a living out of out of the either playing music or singing or whatever you got to make sure that you realize that it's a business first. It's absolutely true, and I and I think that that Michael, you do you do your listening off audience a huge service by offering pretty, let us say, sound and realistic advice like that. Um, the good thing about all of that is is that people like yourself who have stage experience know what it's like to be a superstar south of the border or anywhere like you have. You know what it's like. Day to day, I mean, you're giving advice from from uh, experience, and that's that's really important. I I tell people when you come to me, um, if we can work together, that's great. The only thing I can offer you is, is that I'm trying my best to keep you in from you know in in uh, in very basic terms. I don't want you to be drugged down, sit your vitamins go down, you know. And so uh, yeah, the whole idea is. is is to do that. I mean, you you just need to go to somebody that's been there. And, uh, you know, from an old Cherokee boy, you know, if I've been in your moccasins, I'll tell you, if you're headed there, you're going to go you know. Well, you know, not, not a, I don't know I don't know if you remember, uh, uh, Jeremiah, because I know that you, you, you see um, uh, probably hundreds of thousands of mus- musicians throughout your, your time, but... 
I actually had had a good friend that I was playing some music with up in up in the Reno area for a while, and I didn't find out until like about a couple of years ago that he actually was involved with Melkev's Records, and his name was Dave Redboy Schilt. Oh yeah, Redboy, absolutely, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I remember Redboy. There's from Billings, Montana. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, as matter of fact, it's so funny because I, I, I've never known all these years. We've known each other, you know. We did, we played at some of the casinos together and stuff like that. And uh, and it was just a couple, a couple years, uh, probably a couple years ago. I was, I was checking up something about him online, and I saw the Melquez Records thing there, and I thought, wow, I never knew that. <laughs> well, you know, um, he is an example of the people that came through. Uh, he has a cousin, and. In, uh, in Browning, in uh, Blackfeet Reservation in Montana. And uh, I worked with both of those guys, and I have nothing but great things to say about it. Um, the, his cousin is a gentleman named Ike Hall. And Ike, in my estimation, was the Native American equivalent of Hank Williams. I mean, he had all of what you'd call uh, the real deal, real McCoy. That was, that was Ike and and of course, Red Boy was uh, exactly the same, uh, and uh, real nice, real nice, really great folks. You know, I don't say that because I'm yeah, Eastern okay. Cherokee, but 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 man, uh, Red Boy, very uh, good writer, good uh, good singer. Him and I were was really a pleasure, and we spent we spent a lot. Of, I was uh, I actually I actually met. Uh, Mike Redboy and and Harlan, who was Ike's son, and uh, right. now I was in Montana, and uh, and so I met them up there. But man, that's 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 great. You're taking taking me back. It just goes to show you that the entertainment world's really a small place. Yeah, it really is. It really is because you know, just like I said, you know, I just found out, you know, just a little while back, you know, and. It, and a uh, great, great guy, you know, and, and yeah, he, he's a great songwriter. I'll tell you, matter of fact, we used to play a few of his songs in the casinos, you know. And, yeah, and, that uh, boy's got great songs. Yeah, he does. Well, I wanted, we only got a few minutes left, and, and I wanted to touch on one other thing with you, kind of kind of veer off the music side of it a little bit to, so we can have a little bit of fun here because we've been so serious. And and that's Walker, Texas Ranger. You, you were on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger? I did a couple of those. That was that was that was really really an outstanding show. And while I got to do it, it was it was big time. I mean, it was probably number one at the time. But uh, yeah, I did that through uh, I did that through another person, Glenn White Bottom, a gentleman from Oklahoma, who is also my 13 year old son's godfather. But what happened was is that. Uh, Glenn was on the record label. We did a couple albums together. He's a tremendous talent. We became just more than friends, like blood brothers. And uh, what happened was is that uh, whenever he was in Nashville for a few years, and then whenever he moved on, and he was uh, this was a case where he got to go on to another label and do well. He had a bluegrass album that did well with Wayne Ever. But what? The short of it was is that while he was, uh, when he moved back to Oklahoma, he hooked up with um, Walker and he was working on the show. And 
So, um, you know, they would ask him. He was on like 30 episodes, and so occasionally they would say, well, we're going to do an episode now, and it's, you know, we need a guy, and they've got to be like a, you know, a mixed blood, you know, long-haired guy. looks like he would be on a, you know, on a modern reservation, et cetera. And so Glenn would call me. He would call me, and I... And he would explain, you know, what he was doing, and I'd say, "Well, it, well, that's a stretch, but I can do it." <laughs> but it's, it, it wasn't. I feel like John Wayne. It wasn't hard playing myself, but uh, I got, I got it. That was a great opportunity. I did a couple of episodes that I particularly really loved, and uh, everyone there was incredible. Uh, but yeah, it was great doing those, and uh, of course doing. I did, Tank videos and all that. So I mean, I used to tell them I had the perfect face for radio. I don't, I don't know about the, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I didn't really consider myself to be the right guy. I think I was more in the right place. But it was, they were well received. And between the Hank videos and and uh, and the Walker Texas Ranger, I really, uh, really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it a lot. But uh, yeah, Robert Bond was a good thing. It was great, and people, you know, people will call me occasionally. And go, oh, I saw that episode, you know. So, yeah, that was a truly fun. And if you talk about things in the entertainment business that are fun, it's great when those things come along. Right. You know. Now, one one other thing I, I'm really curious about because I, uh, once again, through through the number of guests I've had on the show, you know, different bands and such, and I've had quite a few people out of the Nashville area. Uh, they're they're telling me that Nashville is is really starting to become a town of of, of a conglomerate of different genres of music, and not so much just strictly country like it used to be. Is is that yeah, much I, the case? Yeah, I think that is true. I mean, I I think that I moved here 28 years ago this summer, coming up this summer, but. I can say that it was starting to be that way when I got here, and I think I can with a fair amount of confidence say that's that's pretty much what it's evolved to. I mean, when people talk about who lives in Nashville now, uh, when I moved here, I was thrilled to go out to the opera and see uh, the people that I grew up listening to, and uh, it was an absolute thrill, but... Uh, now, as an overall perspective, when people talk about Nashville, they talk about Larry Carlton, the great jazz guitarist, or Michael McDonald, and, and uh, you know, Skunk Baxter from the Doobies. I mean, all these people are here, you know, now, and David Hungate was with Toto. So, yeah, we, we have it all now. I mean, I can say that with a, with a, with a relative amount of confidence, uh, it's it's and it's great too because I I came from Cincinnati and I was just a R and B player. My dad was a country, you know. He was a he was a country artist and, and played locally with a lot of the traditional acts and WLW and Wimpro Valley and all the things kind of in that region. But um yeah, it's it's absolutely true. Uh there's it's 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 a it's a very big I I I have lots of friends that would be considered to be in the quote unquote you know rock industry or the or the or the pop industry or you know Web Wilder my good buddy Web Wilder and and all these other guys got record deals that were not national you know not quote unquote country deals and 
I worked with those right. people. I, I I produced the Grays on Melchez Records, working with Christian Lee right now. Christian is uh, he he's country, but as he says, he's the bad boy of country, and he 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 rocks pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Man. He, he yeah, says great I've, things I've, about I've, you, by the way, buddy. Uh, I, I've had him. I've had him on the show a couple of times, and and uh, we keep in touch quite often and stuff, you know. And I, I know he's he's getting excited about doing his his next album and such, and and uh, he's a great guy too. You know, he's, he uh, he he can be a little stubborn, no candy. <laughs> oh, he is. He he is. You know, and I guess that after. You know, after working with Hank Jr. and David Allen Coe, I, he, he doesn't seem too radical to me. <laughs> well, we're running out of time, Dino, and I just oh. really love having you on. And uh, right, we'd love buddy. to have you back again sometime in the near future because, uh, you know, we just we just barely scraped the surface on, uh, on a, a lot of these things. But uh, yeah, I want to really thank you for giving your time tonight to to give these uh, these uh, listeners a chance to understand the business a little bit more, I do want to let everybody know that, that they can find you at dinobradley.com. And Absolutely. you've got a few other websites as well. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and is Records, are they, are they uh, do you guys, like, look for artists, or, or is it basically you just listen to what comes to your way and, and uh, and go well, through or you know what what do you how do you work I, that? Yeah, I tell you what, we're we're a small label, but I I I think that I'm like everybody else. Uh, I'm excited to work with people that 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 I think really are good people and their hearts in the right place, and it's been that way for years for me. I don't uh, I tell people uh, if you go to DinoBradley.com, you you know you can reach Melchez Records or Gebwood recording studio or production facility but I welcome it I mean there's times when we get a lot of stuff and I'm excited about those times this is not really a closed door Um, a lot of people are a lot of people will say you know we we don't we don't accept uh, you know outside material but the fact of the matter is uh, I'm absolutely we're definitely the open door thing and the easiest way to contact, uh, you know, us is to just do it through myself. I think people have ended up kind of just saying, well, you know, just go through Dino, you know, and that, that absolutely works for me. I mean, it may end up going to uh, one of my production people, and, and uh, but uh, we, we've tried to be proficient. I, I think we, if you send something to us uh, and our contact information will be there, our policy is in 48 hours we, you know, leave us a way to get in touch with you, and and uh, we're we're trying to stick to getting back with people, um, and uh, right. you know we think everyone deserves that courtesy for the effort. So I'd love to hear from anybody and everybody. That's that's to me is just a good. It's it's just it's just a good thing for everyone. Right. Right. Okay, well, thank you so much again, Dino, and uh, definitely we'll, we'll need to stay in touch, you know. And uh, I, I might be sending some people your way throughout the throughout the coming months. Uh, I'm going to be heading back out to Los Angeles here at the end of the week, and uh, okay. getting back in contact with some of my contacts out there as well. But 
I'm hoping to be making some trips back and forth between uh, L.A. and Nashville here in the very near future. And you never know, maybe we'll be doing some business together. Well, absolutely. I would be thrilled to death. And, man, it has been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to be on your show. And uh, I'm, I'm always, uh, I will always be excited. So give me a holler, send me some folks. And for everybody out there, just keep rocking, keep doing a great job. I'd love to hear what each and everybody is doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's been a true pleasure. It really, really, really has, Michael. It's, uh, it's, it's a great time for me, and we'll, we'll hook up and do it again if you'll have me. All right. That sounds great. Definitely would love to. It's been an honor having you on the show, Dino. All right, buddy. Take care. Have a good night. All right. You too. Everybody, that was Dino Bradley from Melka's Records. Also, he's got a guitar store there in Nashville as well. Definitely got to go check it out. Uh, go to DinoBradley.com. You can find out a lot of stuff about him. Uh, just a great guy, very knowledgeable in business, been in the business for years and years. So make sure you go and check him out and find out a little bit more. And if you're interested in getting a, an opportunity to uh, move on with your career, contact him. He'll let you know what, what you need to know, and he's a straight shooter, and he'll be up front with you and let you know everything that's going on. So thank you all for coming. Don't forget, Friday night, prime time and more time than Frank Nicotero gives you, at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then next Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific time is WTF. And then next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, the Michael Knight Show once again with the band Padunda out of Los Angeles. Thank you for all for coming. We'll see you next time, and have a wonderful night. Mm-hmm.